0: Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. All right, we're here today with my new friend, Brandon Thomas. Brandon just completed a beautiful renovation in South Bend, Indiana, 1930 Portage. And today we're going to talk about it. So thanks for coming on, pal.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to uh, share some stuff.
0: Yeah, this is going to be awesome. You did a just a beautiful, beautiful job on this renovation. We have a lot of pictures to show you guys. And I've actually highlighted this flip in my real estate investor uh, proposal for Finley Capital. So that's uh, one of the one of the renovations that the investors get to see and and take a look at to see the proof of concept. So I was really excited to go through the numbers and then ask you a bunch of questions about your experience renovating this property. So our, our pals listening can get a little bit of insight as to what it's like to do a renovation like the one you did. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So you purchased this property on July 23rd, 2021. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff, but your purchase price was 75,000. Yep. Your initial scope of work for the renovation was about 32,500. Yep. Naively. Yep. Rough, roughly, give or take. I came up with an after repair value that was pretty conservative in the range of about 153000 which you were comfortable with that number knowing that you'd probably be higher than that. Yeah. Our loan terms, if I remember correctly, were we did 90% of the purchase price and 50% of the repair budget, which came out to a loan amount of 83750 which was a 55% of the anticipated LTV of the after repair value. In other words, the loan amount was 55% of what you and I thought the house would be worth when it was fixed up.
1: Yep. All
0: right. So take us through it. Where'd you find the deal?
1: Yeah. So this was a deal that, uh, came from my direct marketing. Um, I, I do some wholesaling. Uh, I'm also a broker. Um, but this was a text message campaign that I had sent out, um, in the early spring. And um, the guy called me back right away. I sent the blast out and got a phone call from Illinois. Um, And usually those are pretty good leads when they call you right away. And uh, he just wanted to hear some more information. The guy uh, was a nice gentleman who was uh, looking over his mother, elderly mother who was living in the home, home was in disrepair. Uh, She was having issues with the stairs. Um, I could tell right away that he was a relationships guy. You know, he was, really concerned about making sure his mother was taken care of and uh, this was not a quick deal this wasn't like uh got on the phone and went and sold it you know I had to schedule probably five or six follow-up calls with this guy like a scheduled time to call him and we and then we would talk and finally met with him in person and then he had a couple other offers and he actually uh, didn't take my first offer and then called me back about a month and a half later um, and said that he had some other offers, but they were kind of pushy, and he liked the way I did business, and uh, we came to an agreement on on terms, and uh, that's that's how we finalized the deal. So it wasn't an easy process to find the deal. That's always the hardest part, right? And the flipping process is is getting the deal. So uh, this one was a good lesson in perseverance, and uh, we got it got it locked up in July, like you said, and um, yeah.
0: As we go through this, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions just because I'm so curious as to how this goes down. So I hope you don't mind. But the first question I have of many is, can you share with us what the text message campaign sounded like roughly just an idea?
1: Yeah, um, I have a like a rotating uh, script that, I, that I'll send out, but it was something along the lines of uh, Hey, my name is Brandon. I'm a local investor. Um, I'm looking for a Fix and flip property, or I'm looking for uh, a home that maybe needs some attention. I can pay cash and close quickly. Let me know if you have any interest. Things like that, different variations of a of a text like that that I'll send out. And um, yeah,
0: pretty simple, huh? Not, not nothing too complicated.
1: No, yeah, keep it super simple.
0: And then the next thing I heard that I think is very interesting, and I hear this a lot actually, especially from uh, pals that I work with, that I lend to, and then you know myself as well. Oftentimes, these situations where the sellers are motivated, there's an emotional connection, there's an emotional drive to why they're selling the house and they need to sell it quickly. Or, you know, in this scenario, it's for mom and needed to help out mom and things like that. But what you said that struck me was that the seller uh, navigated, came back to your offer later because of the way you conducted yourself and the way you built a relationship. A lot of investors, I hear this all the time, that the seller doesn't, doesn't want to deal with the other guys because of the way they treated him and he wanted to deal with you because of the way that you made him feel comfortable and the way that you conducted yourself. And I think that's a big key takeaway when you're dealing with these sellers. And then the, obviously the the persistence to stay with him for several weeks until he came around to the idea that he was ready to sell and then decided to sell to you. I think that's awesome, so way to go on that.
1: Yeah, thanks, uh, that's a huge part of, of what we do is you know just the relationship part and and making sure people feel comfortable. Uh, cause it's a huge, huge burden on, on people's shoulders. Um, especially if it's, it's not their direct situation and they're responsible for, for somebody else. So. Yeah.
0: All right. So you get this thing under contract and what'd you do next?
1: Yeah. So, um, wasn't even sure I was going to flip it. You know, I was, uh, just kind of running the numbers as a wholesale deal. Um, and, it didn't really have any interest in it off, right off the bat and uh i was just i knew there was uh, some some potential there i knew that it wasn't a crazy rehab i knew that it was a little bit of risk but there's always some risk and uh yeah i decided that i was just gonna just go for it and uh, take it on myself
0: i've dealt with a lot of wholesalers who are in a similar situation to yours where they find a great deal and their their initial instinct is just to turn around and wholesale the deal and make a wholesale fee but then they take a second look and they say hey I might make 5 or 6000 on a wholesale fee here but I could make 30 or 40000 if I take this thing down renovate it myself and then resell it
1: yep and uh, that's just part of the progression you know uh, getting comfortable getting uncomfortable and uh, like I said you know I've only been in this for a couple of years so that was just kind of the natural progression I was just ready to to take on a project on my own I had seen a few from the wings and, uh, had a few contacts that I, uh, you know, have felt comfortable could, could help me out. And, uh, that's the main thing, right. Is, you know, having a, a strong network, you know, you can never do a a flip all by yourself. Uh, you need great partners like you and, uh, you also need great, great people that'll help you with the rehab process. And, uh, yeah, so that was just a natural progression for me.
0: So how did you and I connect? Do you remember?
1: Uh, yeah, on Facebook, I believe um, I asked if anybody was interested in loaning on a deal because I had a, I thought I had a great deal, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just looking at some different ways to fund it. And uh, I just knew that that was a part of the puzzle that I didn't have in my tool belt. I didn't have a hard money lender connection yet, um, and I reached out. and You were very, very proactive and um, seemed very professional. and I reached out and. It went very smoothly, and here we are.
0: One of the things too that that I always talk about when I'm talking real estate is when you have a deal, the money is easy to find, and the partners are easy to find. You throw a deal out like that, there's plenty of people who want to come and help you. And I I got lucky to be able to see that, and we connected and built a relationship, and and now I'm your hard money lender for life because I think we're a great partnership, and I want to help you do many many more. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's what I t- I, li- I like to tell people uh, who ask me about you know getting into real estate is. Uh, you have this perception. Even I had this perception, uh, my whole life. I didn't get into real estate until I was almost 30 years old. Um, that you needed money, right. To do it. And money is the easiest part. Whenever you have the good deal, uh, the the money is, is easy to find.
0: Yeah. When I was younger too, though, I felt the same way. I always felt inhibited by the fact that I didn't have the capital to do the deals and I didn't have a great uh, network or relationships with with lenders or I didn't even know what a hard money lender was when I was 25, 26, starting out. I wish, I I wish I could go back and be my own lender to myself, but, uh, it's a big piece of the puzzle. And once you solve that problem, the whole world opens up because now you can focus on increasing your marketing efforts, increase your direct to seller campaigns, and you can be confident saying that you're a cash buyer because now you really are. And that makes you much more powerful. Yeah.
1: It's a huge tool to have in your tool belt, a great relationship with a good lender.
0: All right, let's go on to the fun stuff. So you take this thing down, you get your hard money loan, we close on it. Now it's day one. What happened next?
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of not knowing what to do. Right, I got this house, and I had a, you know, luckily I had a, a good mentor uh, walk the property with me, and uh, he gave me a couple of good contacts to reach out to and uh, get some quotes put together for a for a full rehab and. It didn't go smoothly. You know, the first guy that he recommended to me, um, just basically said, no, I don't want to do the job. Like he came and looked at it and like, mm-hmm. you know, he was being around the bush for a couple of weeks and then just kind of ghosted me and was just like, no, you know, we're just not going to take that one on. I was like, okay, you know, here we go. Right. <laughs> <But>, uh,
0: <laughs> what I get myself into? Yeah,
1: yeah. But, uh, you know, just kept pushing, uh, kept reaching out and, uh, had a, had a guy who did some electrical work for a client, uh, you know, on the brokerage side of things that I knew that I would, I would call sometimes to to do stuff, uh, for punch lists or whatever, mm-hmm. and, um, give him a, a chance to come in and look at it and, uh, gave him a chance. And, uh, you know, we got it knocked out. There were some challenges along the way, but, uh, it was a learning experience and, you know, I wouldn't, wouldn't probably go back and do it any different, honestly. So.
0: One of the things I've found as I'm trying to renovate properties myself is I don't have a lot of trouble finding plumbers, electricians, you know, HVAC guys, the major trades. For me where I struggle is trying to find carpenters. The people that can install the closet inserts, the people that can cut the trim, they can install the cabinets, um, they can fix things that are broken, patches and things what like that. And, and a lot of that that final 5% at the end of the job, you know, those things that are not a trade per se, they're just somebody that knows how to do things. Yeah, that's what I've always found to be the most challenging to, to stay focused on a job. So um, did you have anybody like that? Or did you subcontract every trade out? Or did you have somebody in there that kind of did a lot of stuff for you like a handyman?
1: You know, it was, I was learning along the way. Um, At first, I gave um, the contractor, probably a little bit too much freedom um, with the whole scope. Um, Especially, you know, they'll always kind of, over promise under delivery yeah we can do that we can handle that yeah we can do that um but then when once it gets into it and then you kind of see how um how slow things are moving when they're you know each person is doing every single task um the time started to compound you know and we started looking at, at different things like okay well Let's maybe get somebody else in to do the windows, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, that's that's going to be a huge a huge aesthetic, and we don't want to get that right. And it's a huge supply chain issue thing. So when they get here, like they can't it can't be screwed up. So um, that was a big thing. Um, just kind of learning how to order the flip, like how to construct the project, what to order first, you know, do we do flooring first, do we do windows first? Like that was all a learning process where we made some mistakes and lost some time, probably um, lost a little bit in rehab uh, material costs where, you know, the wrong things were ordered or there was back order or whatever, you know, just all these things that come up um, along the process, especially dealing with the supply chain issues that we had and dealing with an inexperienced contractor, it was kind of over-promising. Um, that was kind of why it it, it took six and a half months. It probably realistically could have taken three months. Um, but you know, that's okay. It's just one of those things where those are those lessons that you pay to learn and uh, you can't really learn them any other way.
0: Now let's look at that because what you just described and you were so open and honest, so I appreciate that. But what you just described is something that a lot of investors don't like to talk about. They don't like to talk about the challenges or the setbacks or the mistakes they make on a flip. But in reality, Every single flip has all those things, setbacks, mistakes, delays, all those things, contractors that let them down, things that you forgot to, to think about, things that you didn't expect to incur. It's literally part of the deal. Yeah. Um, and what, what I want to highlight here in that regard is the way that you bought this property and the way that we structured the loan, we had so much room for this and you had so much room for margin for error that even when you I think you ended up going over budget by 10 or 10 or $15,000, about $12,000 or so. And you still made a hefty profit on the deal, because number one, you bought it really well. And number two, we structured the, you know, the terms really well, so that you and I were both protected in the event that you went over budget. Yeah. And I think that's great, because look how much you learned. I mean, you got a, you got a bachelor's degree in flipping houses from this one deal. Yeah, you yeah. know, you went through, you learned about contractor issues. You learned about scope of work, um, order of operations. You learned about, you know, things to avoid, things to look for in the next situation. All the while, you sold the sucker for $178,000. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing.
1: And, and that's kind of that gut feeling I kind of had to pull the trigger. Like, you don't always have that confidence to pull the trigger, but um, this one, I just, I just had a feeling that... I knew I was going to make the mistakes that was like, you know, you include this 10% buffer or whatever on paper, but um, you never know what that unknown variable is going to be. But I knew we were going to run into obstacles, but I was confident that uh, there was enough meat on the bone to, to take on some challenges and, and, and learn. So, yeah, it was exactly like you said, it was, it was just like paying tuition to get my bachelor's degree and a full rehab with the supply chain issues and uh, contractor issues. So.
0: Except this time you got paid instead of doing the pay.
1: Exactly. It's a little different than the standard uh, education model, but we like it better. Well,
0: who, who staged that house for you? Cause there's no way a man did that. No, staged no, them. that was
1: a uh, flourish by design. Okay.
0: <laughs> like, there's no way you did that. No, they do a great <laughs> job.
1: Um, that can be a, a great tool in your tool belt for certain yeah. deals. I found, uh, you know, from uh, mentoring, with uh, my mentor that uh, he does that a lot on his deals.
0: I, I think that any house benefits from staging regardless of where it is, but I was really, uh, I just was blown away by the way they did that. Can you share with us roughly how much that cost to have a yeah, house so staged? Yes, they charge
1: a flat uh, 1% of the purchase price. No kidding. Yep, um, up, up to a certain amount, I think. Um,
0: That's really cheap.
1: Yeah, so a great value for sure.
0: And as long as it, from the day they put it in until it closes, it's the same fee? Um,
1: they do have uh, a contract that you sign with them. I think you have 90 days okay. um, with the furniture. And if you need to extend beyond that, then there's different terms.
0: All right. So when you listed the property, what did you list it for?
1: So we listed it for 1799. dollars um, I had initially gone in thinking that we were going to list it for one mm-hmm.
0: Why'd you change your mind? Just curious.
1: Uh, well, uh, it just market knowledge uh, uh, accumulated, you know, from the time the deal started to the time the deal was ready to be listed. You know, it took six months and looked at some comps and uh, it was just confident that, that we could get that. And uh, we did have a an appraisal come in at a little bit under the purchase price. Um, we actually had a we had it under contract for 183, um, but uh, the appraisal came back at 175 and we ended up landing at about 178, but- uh, So
0: the buyer paid cash for the difference a little bit and you and you conceded a little bit too to make the deal happen.
1: Yep. Cool. Yeah, it was worth it. Um, we were happy, exactly. Yeah. We weren't gonna get greedy, um, we were happy.
0: So what's your next step now that you've completed a an entire buy, fix and sell flip rehab? What's your next move?
1: Uh, so I've taken on more. Um, I have one that's gonna be ready for the market next week. It went a lot faster uh I I applied some of the lessons I learned from from this last flip uh that's one thing I'm trying to focus on is not paying what I've uh, heard called the dummy tax which is just making the same mistakes over and over again uh that that costs money so uh I'm gonna do a little bit better on this flip um not not numbers wise but I'm just saying from like a process wise um and, and a time frame wise I'm Uh, feel like this one was much better so yeah just continuously trying to improve Um, looking at uh, doing some some more flips but uh, got some other projects on the horizon too that I'm excited about maybe doing some new construction Um, yeah so
0: that's great congratulations and uh, thanks for sharing this story with us today look forward to seeing what you do in the future and trying to be a part of it hopefully
1: yeah thanks Logan Uh, looking forward to it and we'll be in
0: touch soon sounds good go get them Yep. See you, Logan.